teaching the class, and uh, a lot has happened, uh, certainly in my experience of teaching and recovery, and um, and also I'd say in the kind of greater uh, Buddhist recovery community. So um, it's been some rich time. Uh, I will say if you have been to some of my Friday night classes that uh, you know that I can be a bit digressive in my teaching. That's an understatement. Uh, however, I am determined to stay on track on this class. This is really a class where actually there's something, you know, there's a, a more kind of rounded and clear uh, linear teaching that uh, I can work with, which is good for wild-minded people such as myself. Um, I can never play the same guitar solo twice in a row. It's kind of like that. So my teaching is a lot like that. So um, you might as well turn. Did you turn it on already? Oh, all right, fine. Be that way. Um, so just a few things about this class. Um, I know some of you. Some there's some some familiar faces and people that I know have been in recovery for a while. So I know that you're not coming here to figure out how to get clean and sober. Uh, and others of you may be coming here to figure out how to work a program. Or uh, I know there's all kinds of reasons that people might might be here. And and um, I can't necessarily know what you want. So unless you ask for it. So if, for instance, an evening goes by and you feel like there was something really important for you that didn't get touched on, you can let me know. Um, you can uh, approach me here or you can email me. Um, my website, I think, is on the homework and you can email me through my website. So uh, that's the easiest way to contact me. I thought I had a copy of the homework. There it is. Yes, it's there. Um, my intention here is to both go through the steps and offer essentially an introductory meditation class. And which, so it's kind of covering a few bases because to go through the Buddhism and the steps, that means we're going to have to get into a bunch of Buddhist teachings too. So um, I use the, the steps, uh, I go through the steps in order. Um, so tonight will be step one, and the, the seventh week will be step 12, and in between we'll do two steps each night, because those steps kind of fit together, two and three, four and five, six and seven, eight and nine, ten and eleven, maybe not so much, but uh, it, it works pretty well as a form, I think. Um, I'm going to bring in homework for you guys each week. So, uh, which will include some things about meditation, some, uh, but mostly things to focus on just in terms of being aware of during the week and, and sort of topics to contemplate. Uh, the, I'm writing a workbook now, um, a Buddhist 12-step workbook, and it's called One Breath, 12 Steps, and the subtitle is a, a Buddhist Contemplative Guide to Recovery. And I use the word contemplative because as I was working on it, 
I found that I wasn't suggesting that people write things very much because that's never been really how I've worked the steps and particularly the more I've gotten into meditation the way I've worked the steps has been more contemplative which means for me that when it's part of my meditation that a topic comes up and I explore it with a a kind of stable mind it's not just spacing out and thinking about something but it's actually sort of addressing a question and looking at it uh, internally um, for me, that's a really valuable way to work. That's not going to be the best way for everyone. So some of these uh, exercises that I'm giving you to, to take home, uh, you might find that you do want to write on them. So uh, that's, that's something that's open. Um, I hope that you will engage in the process uh, to whatever degree is useful for you. Uh, and, um, and I assume that if you're here that, that you're wanting to engage in some kind of uh, recovery work or step work or Buddhist work, meditation work. Um, I'm also aware that some people come to these kind of classes, retreats, um, to try to find an alternative way to traditional 12-step programs. Um, and um, that I'm not offering this as a program. Uh, I don't think of it really as a program so much as a, um, something to add to an existing program. Again, I don't control how you use this material, but that's just how I think of it. Um, I got sober in AA and uh, I'm still a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, so, but, but I do feel that um, there are aspects of Buddhism that can uh, deepen and expand our program or our recovery or just our lives, our spiritual lives, our, our, our pursuit of happiness. I also um, think that, you know, that certainly meditation is not taught in 12-step world, and I think it's maybe for that reason, or I think because of the complications of uh, trying to keep specific religions out of, out of the 12 steps, that's very difficult for people to learn meditation in 12-step programs. In any case, it, the, it seems that many people don't either don't meditate or underemphasize meditation <coughs> in their recovery, and so that's certainly one of the things that I'm interested in doing. But I also, again, I, I, you know, I have an argument for everything I say. I have a counter argument, so I'm a little bit <laughs> split personality. That now, that's you know, meditation isn't the way for everyone. You know, for some people, it's it's more service or it's more writing or um, it's more through their work or through their relationships. I, I, I mean, I certainly include all those things in my recovery, but um, somehow meditation uh, holds a special place for me. Uh, the value of meditation 
in recovery, and particularly the practices that we teach at Spirit Rock based on the mindfulness teachings, uh, I think is to, I will say it's, well, it's multifold, but there are two essential elements of this practice that are really helpful in recovery. One is obviously the calming aspect of it, and the developing a little bit more of a a peaceful heart. Uh, And, uh, you know, to put it in the more clinical terms, stress reduction, you know, that's really valuable. Uh, And I think it's valuable for anyone, but for people in recovery, maybe we're a little more sensitive. I don't know, but it can't hurt. The other element that's kind of unique to mindfulness is the way that we observe ourselves. We observe our minds. We observe our thoughts. We observe our reactivity. And through observing, we're able to take a different stance or change our relationship to our thoughts or change our relationship to our reactions. And this is really the key, I think, transformative element of mindfulness meditation, of vipassana, as uh, it's also called, that really allows um, a whole shift in understanding who we are, (coughs) understanding what the world is, and, and all of that. So that process the, the, of watching ourselves, and then when we combine that, what comes from seeing that or looking at ourselves with some of the Buddhist teachings that are so practical and so brilliant and insightful, we can start to really see life itself as something very different uh, from what it, it might have seemed. Uh, certainly our purposes, our goals in life, our ways of being with challenging experiences, our ways of being with pleasant experiences. All of that can change uh, through this practice. Finally, I'll say that uh, many people, when they first engage in meditation, um, find themselves having a difficult time either sitting still or quieting their minds and, ta- and tend to take that personally or think that that's some flaw in their own capacity. And it's not. It's, it, this is simply the process we have to go through in learning meditation. When we first sit down, we're really discovering the busyness of our own minds. And to develop ways to work with that is a lot of the training that we're doing here. It's just learning how to be with the restless mind and give it time to become quiet. And really that kind of stillness and peace that I've already talked about mainly depends on the time that we put in. It's not There's not some magical practice you can do or mantra. Well, there might be a magical mantra, but I don't know it, so you'll have to find someone else to teach you that. It's really about time. And, of course, we live in a culture where we could say everything is sped up and our expectation is for things to 
be here immediately. And I don't need to go through the list of, of ways that we live now to, to uh, explain that to you because you know exactly what I'm talking about. As addicts, we also carry with us this demand that things be the way we want them to be and that they be that way now. And this is very much behind our addiction. Meditation is not like that at all. Much like the idea of a third step, of turning it over, of just showing up and trusting in a process. That's what meditation is about. Um, you can hear about it, you can read about it, you can <coughs> study it, but the only way that it actually works is for you to sit down and do it, or to try to do it, and then let that process unfold. What we're really doing is not importing something into ourselves, importing peace and wisdom. What we are doing is revealing what's already there, is finding what's already inside us through this process, through this gentle process of opening, of watching, of letting go, and of just sitting, just sitting, being still. It's, uh, to me, it's, it's, I guess, the idea of the, you know, the pond being, the wind blowing in the pond and everything stirred up and you can't see down until it calms down. The, it's the, still the same water. It's still the same stuff underwater. It's just that when the, when the wind's quiet and the water stills, then there's clarity. You're not discovering anything that wasn't there before. It's just that through this process of letting the winds quiet down, waiting for them to quiet down. And the fact is that the wind will come back again and get stirred up again. And you'll be, oh, what happened? I thought I was so clear. No, you're not controlling it. So tonight we'll do uh, about 20 minutes of meditation, which I was about to say <coughs> is a relatively short period of time, but <laughs> I realized for some people that's a long period of time. Uh, you know, uh, 100 yards from here or so, maybe a couple hundred yards, there are probably 75 or 100 people who are sitting uh, a retreat. And uh, that retreat started this past Sunday, I believe, past weekend. And it will go until the end of March. Not everyone there is going to be there for the whole time, but there are probably there's a core of 20 or 30 people at least who are going to be sitting there for two months, some of them for just a month. Uh, there might be a couple slackers who are only there for two weeks. Uh, time. <laughs> our commitment of time is what allows our practice to deepen. And, uh, and two months is a good period of time for your meditation period. So is 20 minutes. So is 20 seconds. So let's begin. And we begin with the most basic thing, which is that we are sitting here. So how are we going to sit? And we want to sit in a way that essentially allows us to balance a quality of relaxation with a quality of alertness. We do that by keeping the 
spine relatively straight, and then trying to release any tension in the body. So you should have both feet on the floor if you're sitting on a chair and not crossing your legs. And gently close the eyes. And we'll do some intentional relaxation to start. So begin by relaxing the muscles in your face. Relax your jaw, small muscles around the eyes, the forehead, relax the shoulders. Soften the belly. It's a good place to check into from time to time. (coughs) Often tension appears here. When we're tense, we'll tighten. So just by intentionally relaxing the belly, there can be a pleasant settledness that comes. Now have a sense of relaxing through the hips and pelvis, the legs and feet. And see if you can Be aware of the whole body as a single object sitting. And when you feel the whole body, you also recognize that there are many different sensations happening all at once. The limbs, the extremities, the trunk, the face, sensations all over the body, distinct, some very clear, others more subtle. Awareness of the body and all of the senses is the first aspect of mindfulness that the Buddha teaches. To give us a more specific and clear focus, we use awareness of the breath. 
So first, notice the whole breath. As you inhale and exhale. All the places that you can feel the breath in your body. And then notice the sensations of breath right at the nostrils where the air enters and leaves the body. This sensation might be quite subtle. You might not even feel it. Now notice the sensation of movement in the belly and diaphragm as you breathe. The expansion and contraction These are the two suggested places for paying attention to the breath, either the nostrils or the belly. So see which one is easiest for you to work with or that you're drawn to. And let that become your meditation object for now. It can be helpful to use some guiding words as you breathe. So if you're paying attention to the breath at the nostrils, you can say to yourself silently, in, out, with each breath. If you're following the breath at the belly, you can say rising, falling. The words should be soft in the back of the mind while the actual experience is in the forefront of your awareness.
it's natural for the mind to wander as we try to pay attention to something subtle like the breath. So whenever you notice that you're thinking instead of following the breath, then (coughs) acknowledge that. Be very clear to yourself that thinking is happening. And then gently come back and start again. This is the rhythm and process of meditation. Gaining and losing focus and gaining it again. The idea is to keep it quite simple to notice the mind's wandered and come back. Try to be aware, if you complicate it by making some comment or judgment when you discover the mind has wandered. Your attention might be drawn to something else, like a sound, sensation, some emotion that arises. Anything that grabs the attention can be acknowledged. We can bring mindfulness to that. We tend to think of these things as distractions, but they're not. They're just part of your meditation. So more than trying to cultivate a quiet mind, we're trying to cultivate an attentive mind. One that is able to see clearly and that is oriented towards observing rather than reacting or getting caught.
So as you're sitting, if you start to feel restless, see if you can just pay attention to that energy. What does that feel like without reacting to it? Can you be restless without moving? Just being with that unpleasant experience and breathing. Or perhaps you get sleepy, the mind gets dull, the body starts to sink. What does that feel like? We discover that we have many habitual ways of reacting to things we experience. When we sit down to meditate, we are relinquishing reactivity. Which means that sometimes we are confronted with it. So try to have a sense of kindness towards yourself, towards your own resistance or discomfort. Maybe you came here expecting some peaceful experience, and instead you're reviewing some conflict or struggle you had today. We're not really in control of our minds or our bodies.
just want to take a few minutes for questions about practice and uh, I think there will be time later for questions about um, other things too but um, just uh, since I'm guessing that there are at least a few people here who are new to practice we'll have a break um, right after this so just in case you're feeling the need to do something else. So, and uh, I'm going to ask uh, whoever, anybody who asked a question to use a microphone uh, since this is being recorded. And, and, um, so it's very confusing when you, there's this silence and then somebody's answering a question and you don't know what the question was. this isn't an AA meeting, but um, uh, a little closer? Yeah, Is that's that good? better. Thanks. So um, could you talk about pain a little bit, physical pain and practice? Uh, well, tell me why you're asking. Because I have, because I have um, chronic back, neck, and shoulder pain uh -huh. that I'm having work on. But yeah. Well, the, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that because <laughs> discomfort in the body when sitting in meditation is, is a normal outgrowth of sitting still uh, for anyone. But um, chronic pain is, I think, needs to be dealt with somewhat differently. Um, usually we really suggest that people try to sit through and sit with discomfort in the body unless it really feels like you're damaging yourself in some way, which it could happen if you're in a really like a full lotus posture or something and you're not really flexible enough. Uh, but with chronic pain, I really think that uh, doing whatever you need to do to make it manageable uh, is more of a realistic and, and compassionate way of working with it. So if, if there's a way that you can be, for instance, if lying down helps, you can do that. If you do lying down meditation, I recommend you do it with your eyes open because there's a tendency to get sleepy, naturally enough. Um, beyond that, uh, I don't have any great uh, wisdom. You know, I, I, I can talk about the way, and I, I will take a moment to talk a little bit about working with pain in a more generic way when it's not chronic, which, which is going to presumably apply somewhat uh, and be useful to some degree and, and that is to, uh, to, to essentially it, what's key is to recognize the difference between the sensation in the body that's unpleasant and the mental reaction to it that doesn't like it. So there's pain and then there's not liking. Now ordinarily 
we can't see any, any separation between those two. They seem to be joined. Um, but if we look closely, uh, then we can start to notice the difference. And so what we try to do is, first of all, really be aware of any tension in the body and try to relax. And then gently bring the attention towards and more or less into the sensation. Uh, and it actually helps to not even use the word pain in your mind when thinking about it, but just think of it as sensation, because that's what it really is. Um, start to notice the, all the qualities of the sensation. It's because of our habitual way of reacting to discomfort, we ordinarily don't know anything about about intense sensations because we automatically turn away from them or we try to uh, you know, take, take some pill to fix them or stretch or do whatever we can do to get away. So, th so this is kind of the radical shift of, oh, I'm going to look at this thing that I don't like. Well, when we look, we'll st we start to see things about it, particularly that it's not a solid mass. So one of the mental reactions to sensation, intense sensation, is the idea that there's this solid thing that I have to get rid of or I have to deal with. When we look at it, we see that it's, it's movement, because all things, uh, all, everything is in, in flux, and that's true of sensations as well. So seeing that it's in flux, and very often there's a quality of maybe a pulsing or ex expansion, contraction, that can allow the beginning of a little space in the mind because there's a sense, oh, this isn't a solid thing. Oh, I can see, oh, mm, it's getting, oh, wait, no, it's settling. And we can kind of, okay, I can kind of be with this. As we st start to focus on it, the, the actual concentration that develops by paying attention to sensation has a, uh, the, a natural effect of reducing the unpleasant aspect of it. Um, and what will happen is that when the, if the mind wanders, our reactivity will clench again around it, and the body will tighten, and it'll, there'll be a sharp, ah, we'll feel it again. And that's when you start to realize, oh, you know, that's where the, where the mind is involved. When we can keep the mind just very balanced, just looking, then we're in a relationship of neutrality with it. As soon as we turn away from it, the reactive, aversive mind kicks in because there's no mindfulness there. When there isn't mindfulness there, reactivity automatically operates. So we start to see, oh, if I just relax, open, release sort of my reaction to it, then it's not so overwhelming. And then we, we work with it for a while. A lot can unfold in that process. Um, it's, it's really an opportunity for insight as well as a deepening concentration because an intense sensation is much easier to pay attention to than the subtlety of breath. It's really valuable to work with it up to a point. And then when you get to the point when it's not valuable anymore is when you just go, okay, I need to change my posture. Or I need to you know, take my mind somewhere else or I need to you know, throw something at the 
meditation teacher, so he'll ring the bell, you know. <laughs> I actually have a, a long piece in my new book about this. So other, any other questions? Um, my name is John. Um, I'm an addict. Um, and I have been kind of off and on trying to begin a practice. And I wondered if you had any um, advice as far as finding a space that um, can kind of encourage. Uh, a physical space? Yeah. Where do you live? Um, I live in Richmond. I mean, what kind of a residence are you in? Are you in a... I'm in a house. Do you have a room to yourself? I do. Okay. Is there anything wrong with that space? Mm, I mean, not I'm not sure what you, mean, what you mean in terms of finding a space. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's something I've struggled with in the past. Um, when I... And maybe it's not so much a physical space, mm-hmm. but when I come to a meeting and you know have a sort of uh, a guide, yeah. it, it comes a lot more easily. Right. And I really struggle to um, do it on my own. Well, you know, the homework today actually has hints for establishing a practice. So um, the one of them is to have a a space to tr- to try to. Um, Set up a place uh, in your home. So if you if you have a room, I would make one corner be your meditation place. And um, you know I have a little altar with the Buddha and various little things that mean something. You know a rock I pick up in the desert and a you know a macadamia nut that fell off a tree in Hawaii. I was and you know just little <coughs> things and pictures of some of my teachers. And so that when I sit there, there's nothing else to do but meditate. I mean, I could look at the macadamia nut for a while, but that gets pretty boring. So uh, it's really good to have that dedicated place because, first of all, it has that effect, oh, here I am to meditate. And also, when you don't meditate, you see it. So you get the guilt thing going. So if that, whatever works, you know. Um, I think it's really helpful to establish a time of day when you're going to meditate regularly, that you build that into your schedule so that it's not like, oh, I'll see if I have time. It's like, no, I get up at this time so that I have, or I come home and I always do this before dinner or whatever. Um, I don't recommend putting it off to the end of the day and meditating before you go to sleep because that just sort of conditions you to fall asleep when you meditate, which is already difficult enough. but there's a few other suggestions I have. And, uh, uh, you can certainly use guided med- You know, we, there's plenty of guided meditations out there for free. Uh, in fact, I, I'll have to put that. There's a website, Dharma Seed. I didn't put that on here, um, but I'll put that on next week's, uh, where there are many talks and guided meditations that you can download for free. So, yeah. Uh, it, it can also be helpful to have a, a friend or who you 
kind of one of the things that we've suggested in the past is just somebody that you text them each day and say, did my 20 minutes, you know, oh, thanks for reminding me, I'll do mine now, or whatever, that, that you have a, or a sponsor, or so, someone who keeps you honest, or that, that helps you to stay honest to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I know it's one of the hardest things for people, uh, is to establish that practice, and, and I think it's also important to not set up some, I have to have this much time, because then you'll just be like, well, I don't have time. So you, if it's a minute, it's a minute, you know. Um, and also, if you didn't meditate today, it's okay, you can meditate tomorrow, or if you didn't meditate for the week or the month or a year, whatever, you know, you just do it, you know, you keep coming back. That's, that's what it's about. It's about keep coming back to the breath, keep coming back to your cushion, coming back to Spirit Rock. Maybe one more question before we take a break. Okay, let's take a break. And this will be pretty short because uh, there's a lot to do tonight. So we'll ring a bell in about five minutes, but if you need to use the restroom or stretch. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.